So you, so you ready? You ready, Lynn? Are, are you are you waiting for side Joe so that we can we can begin our um our our latest installment of the Michelle mission <laughs> that we've spent lo these many years discussing black films, the works of Oscar Michelle and Gina Bythewood, who will discuss Spike Lee, Ava DuVernay. The film work of Sidney Poitier, Cicely Tyson, Whoopi Goldberg, Denzel Washington, Will Smith, and then tonight, Max, (laughs) the son of Goofy. Part of a long and storied tradition of black film. Are you ready, Lynn? Are you ready to officially begin? Are you ready for me to begin the program? As is our tradition to begin. It's your film. So I'm going to start the episode. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. You can be- Is the word go? The word is go. <laughs> Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined, as always, by my partner. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And on this latest stop on the mission, we will spend time with a scrappy underdog of a film when we talk about Disney animated features. A film that has a story where it struggled to find an audience and over the years has become a bit of a classic among millennials and more specifically black millennials. And it has been called, and I quote, the blackest Disney film ever made. No, we're not doing the Princess, the, the, the Princess and the Frog, nor are we doing the Proud Family film, nor... Are we even doing The Lion King? Some might ask, well, are you doing Song of the South? And to you, I say thee nay. No, tonight we're going to spend time with Lynn Webb's choice, The Goofy Movie from 1995. But before we talk about this Kabbalah stone of black culture, if you will, This is the stone that the builder refused, Lynn. It was too black and it was too strong. Um, <clears throat> but before we discuss Martin Luther King Boulevard at midnight black. Lynn, do we have some business? Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, we are streaming live on Facebook in our Michelle Mission Facebook group, as well as on YouTube slash Michelle Mission, where I see everybody uh, piping in as we speak, <laughs> saying hellos and huzzahs, and Deborah Battle is, is openly questioning, still trying to see how this is a black film. Hey, Lynn, question. 
if you begin a podcast, legally, can people take the podcast from us? <laughs> like, how does that work? I, like, I, I don't think we have a board of directors in any way. We can't get fired from our own podcast, can we? No, no, we cannot. Okay, get fired all right, okay, from our own podcast. Um, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, to answer your question, Vince, we like to get into all of the feedback that we get from each and every one of you uh, who writes us at Mission at gmail.com, where we heard from uh, Azia Taylor in regards to our review last week of One False Move. Hey, Azia. She says, I love this film and really enjoyed your thought-provoking review. Two things. First... The film was truly disturbing, but I quickly got caught up in the characters. Since the subplot of racism is so pervasive, I found myself hoping the killers got away. Second, the comfortable nature of Fantasia with Pluto suggests they had a more than friendly relationship. She's trying to make Pluto jealous. Also, you never talked about how Cinda and Billy Bob's marriage between 1990 yeah. and 1992. Great job. Yeah, yeah, we didn't mention. I, I actually forgot to mention it. I thought it would come up talking about the chemistry between the two of them, which I actually thought read volatile. The, the chemistry between them. But yeah, between them as, you, you know, I thought that they were so true to, their, to, the, to the acting. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I never got the sense that she really was comfortable with him. Yeah, me, me neither. You're, I agree. I thought that, um, and maybe that is byproduct of the comfortableness that they felt uh, with one another. Because he did have to be um, pretty belligerent with her throughout yeah. the film. So, um I guess in order for that to come off, there had to be some kind of like comfort level between them. Uh, so it is that I think they broke up and it wasn't long after that, that Billy Bob married for a short time. Uh, Angelina Jolie, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I'd be curious of whether or not she uh, came. Angelina Jolie came in between them as she would do years later. With uh, Brad Pitt. One can only guess. Yes. One can only, Vince. Um, Speaking of, you brought her up earlier, uh, black directors who we celebrate on our show. Uh, There is a black director who is rightfully um, being lauded for her work for the Netflix uh, release, The Old Guard. That is Gina Prince-Bythewood who directed Charlize Theron and Kiki Lane, among others, in the uh, adaptation of Greg Rucka's graphic novel. And it's streaming now on Netflix. Vince, you saw this film, right? Oh, oh yeah. It was amazing. Like, it was actually amazing. It's, It's one of the best action films I've seen in a long time. In a long time. And it had a lot of intelligence. I, I think the conceit is one that that comes across really well on the screen. And I was curious about for, 
for people who aren't familiar with the graphic novel, it's about a, a group of immortals. Mm -hmm. but, but these are immortals who have lived every day. Right. And they are tired. They yeah. are tired and they are haunted. And, you know, and not only are they not only are they tired, excuse me, not only are they tired with living every day, but they're tired with living with the human race. They've, right. They've tired of the human race and what has become of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes across really, really well. I, I think, uh, you know, you know I've, I've seen some interviews with Gina Price uh, Bythewood where where people or, or rather reviews where people have commented that they shouldn't people shouldn't be that surprised by how well she captures the physicality of the fighting mm -hmm. because of her own background as an athlete. And of course, you, you know, the, the legendary love in basketball. Right. And, and the scenes that she and it also shouldn't come as a surprise that she really does well with the emotional beats. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. As well, you, you know, the acting, the action. Uh, Chiwetel Etafor has a great role. Looks yes, he like does. he'll have a larger role going forward. Uh, yeah, just a great film. Yeah, it was just a lot a great, of fun. Great film. A lot yeah. of fun. And it was actually, I mean, if you are, are a fan of Charlize Theron's film, filmography, you've seen her in more than a few action movies over the last few years. Uh, she was in Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, she was very stellar in a slept-on film from 2017, Atomic Blonde. So she definitely has the action chops. But if you're only familiar with Kiki Lane from If Beale Street Could Talk, then my oh my, meet Miss Kiki Lane. Because How about that? She is no joke in this movie. Um, she carries through the emotional beats as well as the action. Um, she is pretty much the center of the film. She's kind of like our intro into this world of these immortals. Um, she's our window into that world. And she is absolutely... Um, mesmerizing in this film. You can't take your eyes off of her. And I am so happy uh, for her success to be coming out the box and to be have two projects where she is able to really show her full range so uh, adroitly. Yeah, yeah. And, and it seems like they're setting up at least a sequel. Most certainly. If, if not a series. And so, you know, let's hear it for franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm with it. I am definitely yeah. with it. And and lockdown Charlize, lockdown Kiki, lockdown Gina, and I will be there Netflix for as long as you keep these films rolling. So I'm very oh, happy, yeah. very happy about that. The old guard. Check that out, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you will. Um, let's see what else has been happening. People have been hitting us up in the Facebook group about a lot of things that have been happening, Vince. I don't know if you are familiar with these roundtables, these hashtag, hashtag represent uh, roundtable series of conversations that Variety is doing. And they recently uh, held one that featured Jay Farrow, Derek Luke, Chris Chalk, Algie Smith, and Aldous Hodge speaking out on the realities of racism in Hollywood. Oh, yes, you, yes. I mean, just familiar. You, you know, I saw the um the the link. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's and the link is on our Facebook group where you can check it out, ladies and gentlemen. It's actually a very um, the the video of it is is cool. It's a good read because um, it spells out some of the the viewpoints and uh, favorite points of the of the, uh, the their chat that they have. Aldis Hodge, who can recently be seen on City on the Hill, which is a slept on uh, series. I believe that's on. I believe it's on Showtime. Um, he said, you know, he hopes that this movement is different uh, for us in the black community, not to leave out black women, men, LBGTQ, our whole community, everybody who's black. This is what we know. This is usual for us, speaking about systemic racism in Hollywood. We've been talking about this for a while. I think the shift that may have happened with Mr. Floyd and watching his murder was that we had to sit home and sit with it. We had to watch it. And there is no discernible argument that you can make about what has happened. It's not just our conversation anymore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a good conversation. And it's it, I invite you all to go check that out. Uh, like I said, the link is in our Facebook group. It's really cool. And, that, and it's good to see those, you know, to get the that perspective, such a wide range of ages of uh, black men in Hollywood. I right was going to say that it's actually a, a, a nice sampling mm-hmm. of, of people at different points in their careers. Yeah. So I, I like that. That's pretty dope. Uh, speaking about somebody who is on the other end of his career in Hollywood and maybe writing his own ticket out. Have you heard about this back and forth that's been going on through Twitter between Soledad O'Brien and Isaiah Washington? <laughs> is Does it really count as a back and forth if one person is insignificant and crazy <laughs> like could i have a back and forth with a pigeon <laughs> uh for those who are who are not aware there's been a, a bit of a <clears throat> back and forth between Soledad o'brien who is a a reporter she's been on yes. she's reported for msnbc for uh nc CNN, uh, among others. I'm not exactly. I, I think she's with CBS right now. I'm not exactly 100 percent sure where where she lays her hat uh, at these days. Um, but Isaiah Washington, I, I was unaware of this. Uh, recently, kind of like has come out as a staunch Trump supporter. And oh yeah, he's been that like that for at least a year. And I wasn't I, I wasn't aware of this. Yeah. He actually was at a black leadership <laughs> summit. Um, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn. Yes. Why would you have been aware of that? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Vince. So, that's what I'm saying. When you said a back and forth in a debate. <laughs> what did he did they give him the day off from Lowe's? <laughs> oh, oh, Vince. <laughs> oh, Vince. I don't think that's fair. In this, in this back and forth, because uh, what happened is Isaiah Washington posted a picture of himself with uh, a couple of other conservative blacks who were at this black leadership summit in Washington, D.C., and all of them staunch um, uh, Donald Trump supporters. And Sullivan sure. O'Brien, you know, dare to, you know, 
response laugh out loud lol to his picture and yes that began this little back and forth between the two of them um and somewhere along the line isaiah washington actually tweeted and i want to find the exact tweet because i dare i misquote him he said uh some woman someone jumped in into their into their um conversation and mentioned how Isaiah Washington had been mad with the black community since the Obama diss and being kicked off of Grey's Anatomy by a black woman. He credits Trump with initiatives that Obama started. He's what Harriet Tubman warned us about. He thinks he's free, but he kissed the same massa that would whip him if he could. To which Isaiah Washington uh, retorted what the F I'm doing what Harriet Tubman did and better. Sit mm. down. You sound ignorant. Hashtag first step back. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, today is um, the 21st. The 21st of July. Hopefully, hopefully by this time next week, Donald Trump hasn't released um, masked of federal agents in our city of Philadelphia and they're not grabbing people off the street. Right. Right. So also I've not seen my friend in person in how long, Lynn? How long's it been, Lynn? Uh wow, it's been what, almost over three months. Yeah, three months. So so like the cities are on fire. We're actually in the middle of a plague. And he's releasing the secret police in cities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is where we are. This is where we are. Exactly. And if you are black and you don't think this doesn't affect you disproportionately than other people, then I can't even, I can't even, like, we're not even, we're not even in the same sphere. Exactly. So Isaiah Washington just, just, uh, again, like you said, it was a back and forth. I don't even know how you go back and forth with somebody like that. Like we're actually living in an episode of Black Mirror, right? Right. It, it, it seems like that. It seems like that, and I can, I don't understand what the. I I, I don't know. I don't know. The thing I I one time really really enjoyed that man's work. It's been a while since I've seen him work, but and now I know why. Hey, man. I, he's a, I, I think he's a great actor. I think he sabotaged his own damn career, and I think he's lost his mind. Yeah, apparently. Uh, but you know, what, what you gonna do? <clears throat> I just ordered a book about Miles Davis earlier today. Did you really? About the, uh, about the influence of Kinda Blue. Like, not three hours ago, I ordered a book about the influence of, of Miles Davis. Nice. Oftentimes, great artists are reprehensible people. Very good. Hey, speaking so. of, um, well, not speaking of, just moving on. There is uh, on Turner Classic Movies, and, and shameless plug, I'll be honest, uh, Turner Classic Movies right now, on demand, you can see from 1964, Nothing But a Man, starring yes. Isaac, uh, Isaac Dixon and the jazz singer Abby Lincoln. Um, That's right. And... I, I invite you all. We reviewed this film uh, quite some time ago 
here on the mission. You can check the archives for our review. If you have not seen this film from the 1964, I invite you to check out this film. This is a unapologetic look at systemic racism in the 1960s and its debilitating effect not only not only on the black populace but even more so on a black man and how disheartened it can it is for him and what it how it affects his life and his relationships with the people in it it is a unbracing um very realistic time capsule of that time. I know I used that word before, but this, I I actually introduced this film to my friend just the other day uh, and made her sit down and watch it. And she couldn't want, she couldn't believe how realistic the film was, how uh, unfortunately timeless its message was and how uh, poignant dramatic and yet in some way still slightly uplifting this film is so i invite you all if you haven't checked out nothing but a man go watch that film i will say this about nothing but a man as this is episode 214 i think it is fair to say that you and i might quibble about our top five like like what we think is the best movie that you and i have reviewed but I think it is fair to say that Nothing Like a Man is easily in both of our top five. Yep. Yep. Easily. Yep. Like, like I'm pretty sure it's in my top three. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. This is a magnificent film. This is a magnificent film. It is. Aaron Fry actually agrees. He watched it this past weekend. Great film. So, uh, yeah. Check that out. Nothing But a Man is streaming on Netflix uh, right now. I mean, not Netflix, uh, Turner Classic Movies. Turner Classic Movies. Yeah. So go check that out, all right? I wanted to make sure to put that out there, put that bug in everybody's ear, because it is a movie that's been slept on. Yeah. And worth being uh, found. All right. Um, and let's see. There was one last story that I just wanted to bring to your attention. Let me see. Um, this is a this is a story from blackenterprise.com. Um, black Hollywood needs to hire black agents and lawyers before crying about inequality. I saw that. Hollywood lawyer Jaya Thomas was excited, as were hordes of fans, when Black Panther hit the big screen. After all, it was a movie of totally black talent. Thomas didn't realize at the time that the blackness stopped at the talent. The actors were almost entirely represented by white teams. A few weeks after the film's release, Thomas said, I spent some time researching the names of the attorneys, agents, managers, and publicists who represent the cast. Chadwick Boseman's lawyer, white. Michael B. Jordan's publicist, white. The thrill of watching such breathtaking production faded against the irony of black actors discussing Wakanda forever with almost all white teams. Ooh. And then he, he yes. uh, the uh, story goes on to um, spell out his uh, condemnation a little bit against black Hollywood 
and some of the um, more prominent figures. Um, and the shameful lack of color in their representation. I mean, I, I think this is a story that you hear in many different venues. I, I know, as, as we all know, I'm not a sports guy. But one of the stories that I, I sort of have I've always been aware of is the lack of black representation in sports. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, sports agents, um, you know, certainly you look on ESPN and you look on the channels and the the. The, the black journalist. Right. And, and everyone. And I think that's true in Hollywood as well. It's funny. One of the stories that someone posted in the group about the actress, um, Ajilika, and I, and I apologize if I mispronounce her name, Washington, mm -hmm. the little sister who's on, um, star girl now. Yes. She, she posts, she uh, posted a story about having a stunt woman who was in blackface. Ooh, ooh. And you and I have mentioned that a couple of times, uh, I think with Jim Brown specifically, because I think Jim Brown is who broke the color line with stuntmen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember you. Uh, I think you told me that, that he had a black stuntman. But it's it's it, look, this is a whole industry. This is a whole industry. And and it, it, it's like, yeah, it's good to be a star. It's good to be an actor. It's good to be a director. But there are lots and lots and lots of jobs. Yep. And unfortunately, we are locked out of those jobs. And, and it's hard to get into those jobs. Did you and I talk about this stuntman issue? Like, I had a conversation with somebody about the, the whole stuntman industry. And mm -hmm. they said, apparently, you need to have a sponsor to, yeah, get, to, into to, to get into the union. To get into the union, you need a sponsor. But if the whole union is white, it's difficult to find a sponsor. So that, you know, the argument that was made about the, the, the actress on Stargirl is that basically there were no black female stunt people. Mm. So therefore, we got to put blackface on this stunt woman to uh, be your stunt person. There's been a lot of conversation this week about voice actors. Yep. And white voice actors playing black characters, and it, it, it you know you can almost play you can almost play a drinking game mm -hmm. as you read over the past two months and you see the word systemic. Yeah, this is systemic. Yep, from the bottom to the top, so that you know I like I I read that article and I was like Ooh, like Ooh. Mm -hmm. but look. It is what it is. It is. Look, this is the situation. That's why it's it's very I find it is such a fantastic story uh, when you the more you learn about LeBron James. I mean, like LeBron James like, right. may be he may go down as one of the greatest black men ever just by virtue of the way that he lived his life. So. If you read the story of LeBron James, a person who came to the NBA out of high school, ladies and gentlemen, this is a person that did not go to college. He came to the NBA out of high school. And when he came out of high school, he already came out with the expectation that he would be as great, if not greater, than Michael Jordan. And so far in his, I think, 16-year career, there is a 
worthy argument of whether or not he is has passed Jordan or not. You know, um, your opinion may vary, but nobody will say it is not an argument to be had. But in in doing so, in coming out of high school, talking about leave no man behind, he has brought along with him his childhood friends, Maverick Carter, Randy Mims, and even more importantly, Rich Paul, who not only have been his friends, not only have been his confidants in all of his business affairs, but have also been his business partners in all of the subsequent uh, uh, enterprises that he has started and has uh, they, especially Rich Paul, have taken on even more demands outside of the sphere of LeBron James as they have taken the opportunity presented by being with him as an opportunity to make their name and make their place in the world be known. Um, And I think that if that is a model that you see being followed by more and more sports uh, stars, are following that same model. And I think also that will soon become a model that you will see reciprocate and, and uh, reproduce itself in the up-and-coming players in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My, my, my wife just reminded me, uh, and we've mentioned this before, about the lack of black hairdressers mm-hmm. and black makeup people. Yep. And, yep. and you know, to your point, you see more and more conversation about that. You hear more and more actresses, actresses in particular, mm-hmm. who have that in their contract now, mm-hmm. that I want somebody black to do my hair. I, I saw a, a conversation between, I think it may have been the the women on the Black Lady sketch show. Like, like I'm almost positive Gabrielle Dennis was part of the conversation where they were talking about how they had to do their hair before they came to set. Right. Because oftentimes, and by oftentimes, most of the times, there would be people there doing their hair who don't know how to do black hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there was a bit of a controversy this week, I think, with Annie, uh, the great photographer, Annie Libowitz. And, oh, and it just slipped my mind who she was photographing but they were talking about the lighting and how the lighting was dull and and this is something else you hear about the you know photographers at these magazines and and who sets up the lights and all of this Mm -hmm. stuff yeah because again this is an entire industry yep yep well i think it's, it's we've said this before as more and more projects are being produced and being successful such as Insecure, Atlanta, um, the, the Dear White People, She's Gotta Have It, you know, Black Panther, If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, all, of the, all of these films um, uh, become more and more successful and prominent out there. And you look in the credits and you see people of color more represented there. Um, I think... It will start to play its way forward, you know? Well, hopefully. 
I do. Hopefully. It was Simone Biles. It was Simone Biles, by the way. Okay. And yes. Leibovitz would, you know, there were some questions about the way that Simone Biles was lit. Mm. Mm. But again, this, even if this wasn't the case in this particular instance, this is a conversation. And you and I have it. You and I have it all the time where, where you know, we've joked that sometimes when you watch a film, you know how good it is by looking at brothers' haircuts. That's right. That's right. Because it's like if if the if the studio cares enough to get a barber, mm-hmm. then that reflects other parts of the project. That's right. That's right. But then it looks like you know they sent the brothers to the hair cuttery, and it's like oh boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Like they went to hair and did a scissor cut, and it's like oh boy. <laughs> or or more worse, with the most egregious thing is when you can tell the reshoots because the haircut is different. And right. they don't know, they don't care. But they we, just don't care. But we they see just, it. <laughs> right. We see right. it. Dude, I, I, I remember famously watching an episode of um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? right. And Makai Pfeiffer was on the episode. And for 20 minutes of the episode, he's got like darn near like a nice close cut, you know, fade, right? And then it cut to one scene, like he turned the corner, and all of a sudden he got like this baby <laughs> afro. And, uh. <laughs> and then it cut back, and he's back. You know, it was just a reshoot right, real quick. Right. But they didn't right. think, like, yo, oh, yeah, he looks the same. It's the same brother. I mean, it's got to be the same. Right. It's got to be the same. They don't, right. they don't see that. They don't see that. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that even the same guy can't just look alike? <laughs> like, you told me not to say they all look alike. But it's this the same is the same guy. guy. <laughs> Mr. Pfeiffer? Yes. See? Same guy. <laughs> same guy. Roll him. <laughs> it's like every politician in Washington this week is having a quiz trying to figure out the difference between Elijah Cummings and John Lewis. Oh, man. Wow. Nice segue, Vince. Nice segue. Uh, thank you, my, my friend. Uh, and two, we lost two giants of yeah, yeah. the civil rights movement, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We lost the Reverend Dr. Cordy Tyndale, uh, C.T. Vivian. Uh, C.T. Vivian. And the Honorable John Lewis. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them passed on July yeah. 17th of 2020. Now... I know you met John Lewis. Was John Lewis actually a Tribble? No, no. Uh, oh, no, no, no. He he was in and out. <laughs> he, okay, he okay. Was, he was in and out. Uh, there was there was not a whole lot of getting to John Lewis. Not not a whole at amalgam. Lot He's like, hello, not amalgam. Goodbye, amalgam. Goodbye, amalgam. <laughs> but yeah, they'll be missed. Two, two, yeah, two giants. Two giants. Two. Two giants. Two giants, man. Most certainly. Um, and um, I know I joined the world that we're, we're all on uh, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg watch right now. Oh, wishing Lord the best for her. Mercy. We are wishing oh, nothing Lord. but the best for her. Yes, yes. Did, did, I, did I mention the secret police yes. that our president has said out loud in front of people that he's going to drop in the cities? Mm. Did I mention that? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. 
Like when you say to the president, hey, there are unmarked vans grabbing people. And he says, yeah, I know I ordered it. <laughs> this is where we are. This is where we are, ladies and gentlemen. We have come to that point of the show where we move on to our review of a black film. <laughs> I wasn't even going to say anything. Don't think I didn't notice. You, you just kept pulling out stories. I was like, yeah, let's see how long Lynn's going to do this. Like, what is he talking about Isaiah Washington? Look, like people in Isaiah Washington's house don't talk about Isaiah Washington. There were stories to talk about. I, yeah, yes, yes. I yes. wanted to cover the diaspora of black entertainment uh, uh, news. Right, right, right. Because we keep it real black here. Exactly. Speaking of which. How black? Real black. It, 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 speaking of which, Vince. Have you seen? <laughs> have you seen that a, a new black film debuted on Netflix, Fatal Affair, starring Nia Long and Omar Epps? <laughs> I saw that it premiered. I've not watched it. Oh, you haven't, Vince? I haven't. Oh. I have not. Did you watch it? I know Nia Long is your girl. Nia Long is my girl. And I did start the film. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I did not finish the film. Did not finish the film. Did not finish. And, and perhaps I will someday. Perhaps. One never knows what the day will bring. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so any, any, any other stories, Lynn? Are you ready to... Um... So... You ready? You ready? To Thank you, each and every one of you chiming in <laughs> in the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and on YouTube. Because I've been waiting for this all day. <laughs> I've been waiting for this all day. Lynn, Lynn, I'm going to hold it up to the camera. I'm going to hold up. Everybody, everybody see my notes? See, see, it's page after page of notes. Yes. Look at that. Film every 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 film. It's a page, maybe a little bit over a page. Goofy movie. <laughs> See, it's like it's like half a page. I just put the pen down. I said, "Well, I'm gonna let Lynn walk me through it." <laughs> okay. Did you notice my Black Panther shirt? <laughs> I did. Wakanda forever, brother. Yes. Yes. Wakanda forever. Because I am a black man. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. We keep it real black here. How black? Real black. You ready to keep it black? Well. <clears throat> We'd be like Calvin Lockhart and Cotton Comes to Harlem. Am I black enough for you, baby? Well, I guess we can't put this off any longer. It is time for us to get to our review of 1995's A Goofy Movie. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages.
It's a vacation with me and my best buddy. Donald Duck? No, silly. With you. Ugh. It's Goofy. Give me a big Stop goofing around. In an outrageous full-length animated feature. We'll spend some real quality time together. I think I'm going to be sick. Walt Disney Pictures presents... Come on, this is going to be fun. The story of a father who couldn't be closer. That's the spirit, Maxie. This is embarrassing. To driving his son crazy. This is pathetic. Now, they're getting a crash course in becoming best friends. It's Bigfoot! Could you back up a bit, Mr. Foot? Uh, you're out of focus. <laughs> this spring, one of Disney's favorite classic characters lands at theaters in the most hilarious It's the Leaning Tower of Cheesa. <laughs> and hippest animated musical comedy ever. A little smokey! <laughs> A goofy movie. <laughs> Morning, son. Dad. It's hard to be cool when your dad is goofy. You look just like I did at your age. Please don't say that, Dad. 1995's A Goofy Movie. Though goofy always means well, his amiable cluelessness and klutzy prat falls regularly embarrass his awkward adolescent son, Max. When Max's lighthearted pranks on his high school principal finally get his longtime crush, Roxanne, to notice him, he asks her out on a date. Max's trouble at school, however, convinces Goofy that he and the boy need to bond over a cross-country fishing trip like the one he took when his dad when he took when he was Max's age, which throws a kink in his son's plans to impress Roxanne. Also, Tevin Campbell is Powerline. The Goofy movie from 1995 was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn. Yes? What do you have to say about the Goofy movie? <clears throat> Oh, yeah, clear your throat. <laughs> Notice you don't have no pretzels with you this week. <laughs> a Goofy Movie is a Disney film um, starring Goofy, who is... <laughs> A Disney character who <laughs> gets into scrapes and funny, wacky, slapstick uh, misadventures and has been doing so since the 1930s when he was created. Okay? And while he is not necessarily a dog, his visage does present resemble that of a dog a anthropomorphic uh dog who walks on his hind legs okay um he has come to not be seen 
holy as a dog because in the world of Disney, there is a character who not only looks like a dog, but exhibits all of the characteristics of a dog. And that is Pluto, who is, in fact, Mickey Mouse's pet dog. So, So with that being said, it is said that then Goofy must be something else besides a dog because dogs in these universes are pets. Um, as Pluto has been seen to roam, run around with an assortment of other pet dogs in the Mickey Mouse Disney universe. So Goofy must not be a dog. And so the question begs, what is Goofy? <laughs> And it has been. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it has been long <laughs> theorized that Goofy may, in fact, be a black person. Okay. okay. Now, depending on what side of the Mason Dixon line you fall on, he may represent a black person for different reasons. Okay. If you are a person who is staunched in, you know, the ways of the South and their depiction of black people, especially, mind you, he was a product of his time being created back in the uh, 30s and 40s. Goofy who was, first and foremost, a slapstick character who was shown to be of, you know, middling intelligent intelligence at best, who was sometimes shown to be a little laconic in his walk and in his speech and in his uh, mastery of the vocabulary you might surmise that he is obviously they are depicting a black person when they do Goofy. Okay. If you are of northern descent and maybe a little bit more liberal in your thinking, you might think that Goofy is in fact a depiction of a black person because he is the person in the Disney sphere who seems to always have some type of um, have a job that is pretty much a a a a, a uh, blue collar job if you will he is one who was always seen as um, not trying to have get rich schemes but always you know not the most affluent of the Disney characters and <laughs> More to the point, especially once it became uh, a feature of these Disney characters to have young counterparts, such as Mickey Mouse had his nephews, uh, Mortimer and some other jive-looking mouse, and Donald had famously his nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Goofy was given a son. Max 
is his name. He was given a son as his uh, heretofore kind of like youthful sidekick. And he was given a son for, to raise on his own as a single father, raising him in his image as many proud black men have done <laughs> Over the years. Oh, yes. Hollywood does not always celebrate the staunchness of the single black father. <laughs> but perhaps in more subtle ways, Disney has. Did this, uh, with this. the depictions of Goofy and his son, Max. And it would live on to be celebrated in the heralded TV show Goof Troop, which Goof Troop, Goof Troop, Goof Troop, debuted in the late '80s and the '90s as an after-school show that would go on to wide acclaim uh, in households across America, and would spawn a feature-length movie. Not spinoff, but feature left movie presentation of that world in a goofy movie. All right. Presenting Here we for go. you an exploration of mm. the relationship between Goofy, this proud father, proud black father, and his son Max. His young, budding teenager son with raging hormones and a thirst to become his own man away from the image of his father. So much so that the film opens up with Max's nightmare of growing into his father following not only in his image, you know, uh, 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 spiritually as well as physically. And Max being horrified by that idea. And off we go in this film, which explores Max's attempts to run away from that image uh, and his father's attempts to hold on to his young son, who he feels may be following it down a wayward path of thuggery by impersonating the rock star power line at this school uh, auditorium on the last day of school before they break for their summer sojourn. Thus we have a goofy movie. This world populated by also quasi-dog-looking individuals who represent the, the, uh, the, uh, the race of this segment of the Disney sphere. And one could say, one could argue that yes, 
despite most of these characters being voiced by white actors and <laughs> most of them sporting the accoutrement of the stereotypical white teenager of the 1990s, one could argue that they still are, in fact, exhibiting the behaviors of some black teenagers of that time, mm -hmm. despite mm -hmm. their hue as they are colored on the screen. Okay. All right. All right. And I was prepared uh -huh. to walk into this episode of the Michelle Mission arguing that very point as I watched the film. Until I reached the end of the film and the heretofore oft-mentioned but rarely seen character of Powerline comes across <laughs> the screen. Powerline, yeah, yeah. who is an, a rock star, clearly drawn in the image of Bobby Brown, who was yes. wildly popular at the time and who was the first sort voice actor to voice Powerline for this film. Powerline, who is voiced by a young Tevin Campbell, a black youth. Powerline, who in his depiction on the animated stage of this film is also depicted as a quasi dog looking slash human, but is distinctly colored <laughs> in the hue of a black person. Yes, yes, yes. Therefore, setting the line of demarcation of what is considered a black person in this side of the Disney sphere and just a person in this side of the Disney sphere. So, a goofy movie, which I liked. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed this film. There's mm -hmm. nothing mm -hmm. new to it. It's a story as old as time, a, a father and son who go on a road trip and discover what they have in common and how much they like with, about one another at the same time exploring what they don't like and have to learn to uh, accept about one another in the face of all the misadventures that they, that they face, in the face of the other image of father-son relationship that we see in this film um, that is played out by Goofy's usual, you know, foil in his film. But in this one, he's more of kind of like just a, you know, like a, 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 his the bad neighbor, the crazy neighbor next door, Peg Leg Pete and his son right. PJ. Um, uh, it's a funny film. It's not. It's got some music in it. It's not not a whole lot of music. It's like about three songs. They're all cute and little infect, uh, uh, infectious. You know, you'll find yourself humming a, a couple of them when you when the f film is over. The comedy is good. If you're a fan of Goofy, you know what you're you're getting. Um, the animation is well done. 
uh, certainly a cut above the TV animation, maybe just a cut below, you know, classic Disney animation of the time, which would have been sure. around the times of, you know, uh, uh, A Little Mermaid, Lion King, and films, uh, films of that, that ilk. It's a, it's a cute film. It's a good film. Uh, it's not a black film. Right. It's not right, a black right. film whatsoever. And um, I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, all jokes aside, I, I, I think the, the argument about the Goofy movie being a black film, I, I think a lot of this is, is an age thing. Like, I think this is very much a black millennial argument mm -hmm. about this film, uh, most famously made on, on the website, Black Nerd Problems. Yes. Which uh, famously posted a story, I think, a couple of years ago. Let me see if there's a year on here. I don't see the year, but it's, it, it's fairly recent because it said 20. Well, I guess it was this year. 25 years ago, a goofy movie became the blackest, most underrated nerd classic of all time is the name of the article. And the argument for Goofy as a black film goes like this. Max is coded as a hip hop kid. Even if you look at the, the, the um, wardrobe of the kids at his high school, Max's jeans are baggier. Yes. Like, like so, you, you know, 1995 baggy equals hip-hop. So that's one argument. The second argument is that as a teenage black boy, the, the principal of the school actually makes the kind of statements that unfortunately many of us heard authority figures make as we entered into black teenage years where he basically says, you know, this kid is, quote, and this is a quote, dressed like a gang member. Yeah, they do say and that. And, and, you know, there are several um, comments throughout that if Max doesn't get himself together, he's going to go to jail. So, you know, unlike other, um, other teenagers, including his friend, who's voiced by Pauly Shore, who's coded as a white surfer dude, and he just sort of gets into hijinks. There is a, a plot line mm -hmm. that Max is headed for trouble. Yeah, yeah. And 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 people have read that as him being coded as black. Uh, there's the whole thing with power line. Um, you kind of joked about it, but that father son theme. There's actually a lot of father son. Like you can actually count how many times Goofy says. I want to do fill in the blank with you like my father did with me. Yes, he's always talking and, about and representing so, you know, it's, the it's, past. Right, so there's there's this whole theme of fatherhood that is is sort of a, um, a theme that you see a lot in, in black cultural products. And that's really the whole argument. But in my mind, the most important thing about the Goofy movie in this conversation is that it comes out in 1995. And the Proud Family doesn't come out until 2001. Right. Static Shock comes out, I think, about that time, too. So really what you have is this is another example of, in my mind, the pickings were so slim for black kids mm. 
to see themselves. So that in a lot of ways, you know, you just grab at stuff. You just grab at stuff. You, you know, you, you think about somebody like, um, you know, I don't know, Jazz and the Transformers. Yeah. Whose yeah. voice by... Um, Scatman Crothers. Scatman Crothers. Or Panthro. Mm-hmm. In um in the Thundercats, who's voiced by uh, Earl Hyman, famously right. who plays the fa- the the grandfather in the Cosby Show, and how black kids and specifically black nerds have gravitated towards certain characters, mm-hmm. and we say, oh well, these characters are black. We kind of make them our own, right? Because we didn't have actual representation, right? So that. I, you know, I don't think this is a black film. Frankly, when you read the, and, and God knows, I read way more about the Goofy movie than I ever <laughs> planned on reading. Like, I was sitting reading a Vanity Fair article on the Goofy movie, and I was like, this is my life now. <laughs> I read Vanity Fair articles about the Goofy movie. Because it is this great story, how the Goofy movie kind of had became this cult classic and and it really was almost this afterthought. And when people talk about, you mentioned it, the classic Disney period with Aladdin and the Little Mermaid mm-hmm. and and, you know, apparently they had a, um, they, they, they had a, a, a contest a few years ago about your favorite Disney movies. And the Goofy movie showed up on all of these people's lists. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it has become sort of this cult classic. And uh, furthermore, again, black kids of a certain age took this in as, as their own. Right. So that, well, I don't think it's a black movie. You know, 1995, you know, I mean, I was an adult. Like, like, like the Goofy movie didn't leave an imprint on my life. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's black, but I'll allow it. It's like, like I'll allow it. It, it definitely left an infra, uh, impact on my life. And I tried to not let this be my guide, but I know that uh, my daughter was a huge fan of this film. Okay. Right? She was a huge fan. She, was a, she would have been the right age. Right. She was right, right in there. And, um, you know, and... I mean, she she was uh, like a little young, but she, she she still watched it. She watched Disney stuff, and she looked at it, and she found it in, in later years as she got older, and she and she enjoyed it. She liked it, and so I tried to not let that influence me. That influenced that, and Tevin Campbell influenced me enough to choose the film, but I tried to not let that influence me as I was watching the film. And it's funny how you pointed out about. You know him, be, his, Max, and the, his clothes being coated as black and and everything like that. And I definitely see it when you say that. But honestly, when I was watching it, in my mind, because everybody else was so white around around them, that I saw him as the white kid that wears baggy stuff. You know, that tries to ha- sport that style. You know what I mean? Hey, 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 that's not my argument. That's what the kids argue. Okay. That's what our our, our younger blurred brethren and sister sistern argue. And, and I can see them making that argument just like you said. You're grasping for whatever. You're grasping for right. something. You know what I mean? Uh, so I can see that them making that argument. And the other thing that I took from goofy you know 
wondering, you know, concerned about him becoming like a, a thug or a gang member and everything like that. It almost because of knowing what he was acute, you know, what like the boy dressed up his power line at his at school at the, assembly. At school assembly. Yeah. So he disrupted. He basically pulled a uh, a Bart Simpson at his school right, assembly. Right, he pulled a prank. Right, he yeah. pulled a prank. And for that to be the launch pad to like, oh my God, he's going down the way of fuggery and, and, and criminalness, um, to me sp- sounded so 1950s that I didn't even see any kind of like coded or a coded message to be pulled from there. I certainly see it now that you pointed out, but I just didn't. Yeah. And I, and I think yeah, it's also me. because when I look at Goofy, I do see those forties and fifties cartoons. So he sounded like right. he's right, right out of those cartoons with his mindset, you know? Yeah. I do think if you're a 12 or 13 year old black boy or black girl, and we talk about them being, over scrutinized and criminalized so early like i can see how that could touch a nerve Mm -hmm. if you caught that when i mean because you're thinking 11 and 12 year olds are watching that which is that moment right which is that moment where black kids are are suddenly in detention all the time and you know everything that we talk about so that that argument actually spoke to me more than any of the rest of it like all that power line stuff and 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 the clothes, but when the principal said, "You're dressed like a gang member," and he, and he called up Goofy and said, "You know, if you don't get a hold of him, he's going to end up in a gang." I like that is the part where I said, "Yeah, I can see how a twelve year old black kid would immediately say, oh, this speaks to me.'" Yeah. All right, I can see that as too. Uh, B Rock seventy nine hit us up on YouTube. Let us know that the lead animator on the film, Bruce Smith, was in fact a black person. Which, which is worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah. Definitely worth, worth mentioning. mentioning. Especially considering... I was about, I was about to... Go ahead. I, I was about to talk about the black involvement in this as well. Go ahead. Please do. Well, besides Bruce Smith, I mean, you know, you talked about it. Like, even the, the decision to bring in Bobby Brown, mm-hmm. and then when that didn't work out, to then pivot to Tevin Campbell. Like, there's something going on there. That's true. That's true. It's that you can't afford Bobby Brown. That's what's going on there. <laughs> so, well, but instead of Bobby Brown, you get, I don't know, you know, one of the new kids on the block. Point. Or one of those, you know, one of those kids on that Disney clone farm that they have in the swamp <laughs> where they get all those kids. Like there was a cylinder somewhere in 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 the basement of Disney World where they could have pulled a kid out. <laughs> like Justin Timberlake was probably like fourteen. I don't. But they went and got Tevin Campbell. They went and got Tevin Campbell. Was certainly a bigger star. <clears throat> and who actually? Uh, I like the song. Hey, it's a catchy song. I was grooving with the song. Uh, it's a catchy song. I remember, and actually, I had forgotten about the song until um, listening to uh, our social media uh, uh, maestro, Toya Haynes. 
her podcast the first time I heard. She did an episode talking about the first time she heard Tevin Campbell. And one of the things she speaks about is, you know, falling in love with Tevin Campbell all over again because of his depiction of power line in a goofy movie. Yeah. So. I'm telling you, it's like that Brandy Cinderella. Like there's there's a certain part of and you know you know I love the little blurs you know I love the young blurs mm-hmm. I love them so much because like I love their culture like I love that they have their own thing and it's like that Brandy Cinderella like this is a touchstone it is it, it is. is a touchstone so, so you know I apologize to you Vince for making and to the nation for making you watch a film that is. Hands down, let's, it's not a black film. Could you make the argument? Sure. But if you wanted to say that our argument is stretching it a bit, you want to say that we're playing Plastic Man with this argument, <laughs> you, you know, we got no defense. Well, I have no defense. I have absolutely no defense. Uh, because you chose it. Because this is your movie. This was my movie. I chose this movie for this week, and I will say that I recommend you watch the Goofy movie because I do think it is a good movie, and I do think that it is worth revisiting if you haven't watched it with uh, with your young one, or if you got like a uh, a, a child or a grandchild, introduce them to a goof, Goofy muse, movie. It has music and messages that are timeless that I think they will appreciate. Um, it's not a black film, though, but I don't mean that you I shouldn't mean, watch it. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to defer to, again, the, the, the millennials. I'm going to defer to the millennials. They have claimed this as a black film. I'm not going to fight them on it. Uh, again, I, I, I can kind of squint my eyes and see their argument. So I'm like, eh, all right. And again, I, I think I think the, the, the subject of black representation in animation is, is a really layered and ongoing one. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you know, I mentioned the Proud Family, which comes out a few years after that. And, and, you know, I think the Proud family is about to come back, actually. Yeah. And there have been some really good conversations about even in a, in a show that is all about representation, issues of colorism in the Proud family. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned this before. We, you know, we talked about Frozone's wife. Oh, yeah. In the Incredibles the- films. And, and just sort the of the absence back- of black bodies. I mean, the, yeah, the no, the no body you know, black that black voice yeah right it's almost a running joke in my house like i love black women and i love my daughter and i love anika noni rose so much that i can't really think about the princess and the frog for too long and the fact that you only see her as a black person for about 20 minutes before it's just a frog Mm. and what does that mean and, you know, we've talked about that. We talked, you know, the Will Smith movie that just came out last year where it's the same thing where he turns into a bird almost immediately. People are already preemptively talking about um, the first Pixar film 
with black leads Sold. next year. Sold, but it looks like how how long is he going to be black? So I think you could argue that the Goofy movie is part of this conversation. Again, 1995, actual representation of blackness is so scarce that black kids had to embrace this. Yeah. Yeah. And then we could argue about how far we have or have not come. Go back to something we talked about last week. Part of the reason that I love Matthew Cherry and Hair Love so much is that it's so beautifully black. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so beautifully black. You have these beautiful black characters the entire short. Not for nothing, the mother is darker than the father. Right. Which means something when we talk about this kind of thing. So I don't have a problem with the Goofy movie being part of that conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you, Vince. Uh, I like that, Lynn. You let I me, like that. You let me off the hook. I really appreciate it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You remember that next time you ask me about some movie you don't think is black. Uh-huh. How you like that, Lynn? I was thoughtful. I was thoughtful. You were, Vince. I'm going to end uh-huh. this on, I'm end this show on a, um, hopefully a happy note. Um, I don't know. Are, would you consider yourself a fan of Walt Disney? And if so, do you have a favorite Disney character? Wait, you mean like, <laughs> you mean like Walt Disney, the Nazi who reported people in in the in the with, <laughs> during the Red Scare, who was reporting on people? That Walt Disney, the anti-Semite Walt Disney, or do you mean like Walt Disney and and the stuff that comes out of Disney? You mean the man, or you mean the company? I meant the company. Oh yeah, I like Disney stuff. <laughs> You better not let Walt Disney know that you were going to a communist meeting now. Do you have a favorite Walt Disney character, Vince? Oh, um, uh, yeah, um, um, Uncle Scrooge. Not really? Yeah, no, no, yeah, nothing obscure with me. Like, I'm exactly who the old nerd would like with Disney. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a Carl Barks Uncle Scrooge dude. Okay. All right. Like I'm not I'm, I'm not I don't go as deep as you do. <laughs> I like my Yeah, Uncle but I'm Scrooge. Uncle Yeah, I'm an Uncle Scrooge guy. All right. Well, yet another thing that we have in common. Yeah. Cuz I'm an Uncle Scrooge guy as well. You know, the Carl Barks uh Don Rosa stuff. Mm-hmm. Love the Don Rosa stuff. I actually was um exposed to the Don Rosa stuff before I got to the Carl Barks stuff. Oh, so I really? came at it backward. Yeah, I came at it backwards. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Just figure out that. And, 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 and you, you want, you want to talk about your beloved Scrooge for a moment? Oh, man, I love Uncle Scrooge. I love Uncle, Uncle Scrooge. And the Carl Barks stories are fantab- fantastic, ladies and gentlemen. If you are a fan of DuckTales, the animated show from the 90s that has been rebooted quite successfully, I would say. I was about to say, are you watching the new DuckTales? It's very, very good. It's, 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 it is a hoot. I am really enjoying it. Uh, they've kind of like redesigned the characters and rewrote them for, with a more of a 20th cent, 21st century uh, frame of mind. And, uh, but they still f- feel very true to form. I really, really enjoyed the DuckTales. 
DuckTales reboot. Um, and if you enjoy, and there was a Powerline reference last season, right? That's right. That's right. Because it's all one universe, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, so if you enjoy those that series, then you will enjoy the Carl Barks stories of Uncle Scrooge, a character that he created and made famous. Um, so much so that Uncle Scrooge overseas is the most famous Disney character. Um, and, and check out all of those stories. I'm not going to lie. There's some sketchy stuff in some of those stories, okay? I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'll let you find yeah, it out for yourself. But um, on the most part, it's, it's some really some good reading, good adventure comedy. It's fantastic. And, and if you like the Carl Barks, his, his real spiritual successor, Don Rosa, mm-hmm. has, has been doing very good work. Yeah. With Fantastic Uncle Scrooge work. and the Ducks. Matter of fact, the pass on. Is, it, go ahead. I was going to say, if you really like Uncle Scrooge, as, as I watch our numbers dwindle, as people are like, they're talking about Uncle Scrooge. I'm out. <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm gone. I am, I am out of here. I got too much on my. Uh, uh, let me right, right. catch up on, you know, uh, life. I, I don't need this. Um, if you really like Carl Barks and to Vince's point, you want to follow Don Rosa, there's a book that you can buy, The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck by Don Rosa. There it is. Where he it is. basically creates the origin of Uncle Scrooge from the quote-unquote historical documents of Carl yeah. Barks's stories. It is some great reading and illustration you will not yeah. put that book down yeah yeah absolutely i 100 percent agree you'll even see the secret origin of donald duck uh, yeah. <laughs> in there as well there you go that's right donald duck is involved that's right Can't forget him all right ladies and gentlemen before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week i invite you all to follow us on all the social medias at me show mission that is on instagram twitter facebook Join the Facebook group, The Michelle Mission, where we have a lot of fun talking to our missionaries. And email us with all your thoughts and concerns to michellemission at gmail.com. The Michelle Mission is available as a podcast on michellemission.com, as well as any place and every place that you find podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, you name it. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find The Michelle Mission podcast proud member of the podglomerate curated podcast network curated podcast just for your earbuds go to the podglomerate.com check out all they have to offer for you today the michelle mission is also available as a radio show every saturday afternoon at 1 p.m on wppm 106.5 fm philly camp people power media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection and you can wake up with the michelle mission every monday morning at 9 a.m on wkdu 91.7 fm the voice of drexel university all right And if you want to help us, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you find the show. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow the show. Subscribe to us on YouTube.com slash MichelleMission. And go to our website and hit swag and check out some of the cool T-shirts that we have for your buying pleasure. That helps keep the show free. We really appreciate it. 
Next week on the Michelle Mission, it's Vince's turn to choose yes. what selection yes, we'll be is. watching. What you got, buddy? We're going to do the extremely goofy movie. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Uh, I'm still in my noir bag. Oh, cool. Good. Good. I'm still in my noir bag. I'm still in my noir bag. I mentioned it last week. We've mentioned it before, but we're going to go ahead and dive into it. Um, Jeff Goldblum, Clarence Williams III, Lawrence Fishburne, Bill Duke's sophomore directorial effort, 187 on an undercover cop. Woo! We're going to do deep cover. Deep cover. Cover. We're gonna do deep cover. Oh man, oh, deep cover. The man. film whose soundtrack introduced us to Snoop Dogg. How about that? How about that? Remember, remember, uh, everybody on Fox News was upset about a cop killer mm-hmm. by Ice T yeah. and his rock band that not one black person I knew listened to. No. Meanwhile. Snoop was singing it's 187 on an undercover cop. Yeah, and you don't stop. Yeah, we're going to do deep cover. I can't wait. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. And in parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. Keep your mask up, everybody. Peace. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.